unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Hi. So Hello. we're going to we're going to uh, hit the ground running here. So if people join late, I'm sorry. I warned you all to be on time. <laughs> so um, first of all, uh, I want to say thank you uh, to these two ladies for being here this evening. This is an actually a very, very important thing that they're doing. And I'm really looking forward to them, you know, letting all you guys know what they've got, you know, coming and how, how it's going and, and what they're really kind of fighting for. So having said that, uh, tonight we have Dr. Annalise. Anna East. Anna, Anna East. See, I knew I'd mess it up. I told you I'd call you out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Anna East Webster Minuti and Kimberly Kessler. I, See, your name was easier, but. I know, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is this is really much, you know, uh, if I have questions or whatnot, I'll pop in. Or if we get questions from the chat, I'll pop in. But I want you ladies to tell yeah. us what you were doing and why it is so important. So whichever one of you want to go first, um, and if anybody's watching and there's an audio issue, if you can't hear somebody, let me know in the chat. So having said that, ladies, it's all yours. Cool. Um, yeah, I can start off. Um, my name's Anais, and I am a pharmacist, and that's kind of how I'm related to this issue. So a little bit of my pharmacy background. I was a technician during pharmacy school, And I stayed on as an intern during my schooling. And then I was at a chain pharmacy. And then when I graduated, I switched chains to a different one and worked as a pharmacist there. And um, when I got kind of like three years into that as a full-time pharmacist over in a a retail chain, and then I switched over to hospital pharmacy, which is um, pretty different than um, your general retail, what you think of as far like the general public thinks of as pharmacy. Um, So I'm working in this hospital, but then I stayed on at the chain where I was working because I actually, um, I liked who I worked with. I liked um, the relationships I'd formed with some of my regulars. And it was um, just working on my days off from the hospital, like a lot less. I didn't notice a lot of the problems that were going on in retail. They weren't, they didn't bother me as much until COVID And so then COVID happened and that's when I was like, okay, this is actually tipping the balance for me. Even though the chain where I worked was, um, it was a little bit better than some of the other ones. Um, But I was like, okay, this is getting to the point where the vaccine load is too high and all the shots and our store didn't, the stores where I worked didn't even do testing yet. And there, it just got to be too much. And I was like, this is unsafe. I don't want to continue to be a part of an unsafe system in general. So it wasn't even necessarily like the one store, the one chain. It was just like the system in general needs to change. And I really just needed to kind of vote with my feet and leave that company. And so how I know Kim and how Kim is involved outside of pharmacy, I'm actually a writer, storyteller. So Kim edited my first novel and um that's how we know each other and we really like to work together and so we were working on a project and we were talking about pharmacy and I was telling her all the issues that were going on and I was actually sending her tweets so I would text her tweets like every day about pharmacy problems like it's not just me look at this tweet look at this tweet and um, then one day we were talking and I was like oh yeah there's a tech who works at the hospital where I work um, she came over from one of the retail chains and their store is 3,000 prescriptions behind, like 3,000 needed to be filled. And she was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's like their store ordinarily would do like maybe 500 a day. And so they are days and days, like almost a week or more behind. And there's just no way to catch up really it was just like they're just drowning and they're trying to figure it out and then I was like no one in the general public knows about this in a way that they should and I was like someone should do a documentary or we I want to do a documentary about this something and Kim immediately latched on to the part where she said um she looked at my text and she's like oh you said you want to do a documentary we're doing this documentary I have friends who can help so it definitely quickly turned into like from someone to 
we're going to do it. And that's how um, this whole project got started. So I'll let Kim um, introduce herself and then she can um, introduce Ethan, our third partner as well. Yeah. Yeah. So my name is Kim and I am uh, an editor, a developmental editor. So I develop stories um, with with amazing writers um, like Anais and um, and I develop them for books or film or whatever. Um, so storytelling and story structure are my jam. And so working with Anais, it was, you know, I didn't know pharmacy Twitter was a thing. So that was a new um, and I didn't know anything about pharmacy. I'm just, you know, I get my my uh, anti, anti-anxiety meds and my Adderall and I'm good to go. You know, I drive through and that's what I do. And so I just, I didn't know anything. And so as a storyteller and as a, a, a nerdy learner, you know, I'm just asking all these questions. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. So 3000, how many, like, I have no context for what that even means. Like how many days is that? Like, what does that mean? Like, what it, what do you do? Like when you get a script in, like, what are all the steps you got to take before you, and so like, I'm just like eating up all this information and I'm like, okay, as a general, like layman who just uses a pharmacy, I had no idea. I have no idea what's going on behind the counter. And so it was just like, I could see, I could see the, the merit. Right. And like, cool. General audience does not know this. So we're coming in, uh, you know, you got the you get the Karens right in line and they want their stuff and they want it now and they don't understand why they can't mm-hmm. get it and because they don't understand what's going on like they don't know what else is happening and you know everybody's just coming with their own lens and and it's human right it's so human especially in a squeeze like covid where people are just we're just done right like we're just done and so um yeah it's just super compelling from a storytelling standpoint and then so much validity and merit from a we need to get this out as a documentary, you know, on Netflix or something. Um, so, that, you know, we want to, you know, be the next whatever, like whatever, whatever it was, Forks Over Knives or Super Size Me or whatever. Like those things, when you get a film out in front of someone, like it starts a conversation, right? People are able mm-hmm. to, you know, it's a couple hours of their time. Everybody talks about it. And then you get these conversations going and people asking questions. And that's how we make change. And so as a our story through film is is really amazing um and so i do some filmmaking here where i live in washington state and one of my film friends his name is ethan schatz and he the man bleeds documentary like it is his heart and soul and it is everything he wants to do in film um and so when when anis was like ah someone should make a documentary i'm like so yeah i got these people i got these friends they'd be super interested in looking at this and I like to refer to myself as the librarian of life uh so I'm like hmm, what connection do I have that I can connect you with and just like to pair people up and and so I you know connected connected her with um with Ethan and, and Ethan was like hmm, you know I don't know anything about pharmacy let me let me think about it you know and a month goes by and Ethan really dug into the <laughs> the reddit sub threads you know what I mean he got down yeah. in there quite a ways and he was like oh okay he started to see it um and he's like there seems to be some frustration here. And it was with some pharmacy technicians and he really got a heart for the pharmacy techs mm-hmm. because, you know, they are underpaid. They, you know, they're not making a pharmacist wage um, and they are taking the brunt of all, uh, you know, the majority of the Karens in line uh, and all of those things. And, you know, they're really having to pull a lot of weight and they're not getting the same benefits. And so his heart really went out to them and wanting to tell that human story. So now we are a team of three uh, shots with that LLC. (laughs) We like put this together and we've just, we've been working on it for six months and we have interviewed over 50, uh, we've just pre-interviews, you know, via Zoom, um, 50 people, pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, patients, patients, patient advocates, um, mm-hmm. experts. We also industry. have, um, yeah, go ahead. since we released our, um, our website and redid all of that, we have over 40 people who've reached out in the last week who are also interested in telling their story. So there are definitely a lot of people reaching out to us and wanting to just get their, get it off their chest because it's been just this burden on these staff um, these people for so long and people just want to talk about it, but people are scared. And that's the part where we, where we want to come in is people are terrified of retaliation because a lot of these bigger corporations. So you're like your CVS, your Walgreens, etc., cetera, um, are like, if you speak out, like 
will find a way to fire you. And people are scared of that. And yeah. because there's someone we talked to who was a comedian who got fired for doing comedy. Mm-hmm. What? Like a stand-up comedy set. Yeah, look up um, RX Comedy. Uh, his YouTube channel. There's a video about it up there. Um, Z-Dog MD did a video on it. But that's why people are scared. It's, it's their livelihood. Yeah. And we get it. We're like, we don't want anyone. If you need your job and you need to just grind it out and like it's sucks and you feel bad and like you are doing the best you can and you can't talk to us and you don't feel comfortable with doing that that's totally fine which is why our fundraising slogan is put your money where you can't put your mouth like we will find people to tell that story that that's and a great slogan thank you thank that was, came on a, on a call it was i think i was on like a half a gummy it was pretty late we were zooming <laughs> and i was like i got it <laughs> i know exactly what yeah. we're gonna and speaking of all this, I just want to let everybody know, if you look in the description, the video description, all their links are there. The website uh, is, um, if I'm not mistaken, would you like shots with that.com? So that's fairly yeah, easy. But the link tree, their Instagram, Facebook, all this. I think you're the first there. person who's called it easy. I have to say that. Oh. <laughs> first person who's called our website an easy one to say. Um, and and, and your, your graphic design, I mean, the entire fry container with the rx right. on it i mean oh, what yes. what y'all have done from a from a visual standpoint to kind of get across your message uh, is actually really really well done and you know uh, thanks oh, we had so we much appreciate fun with that because that, yeah. that was like us and canva yeah like, canva, that was man. grinding it out, Shout on out canva. to the canva like if you guys don't use that program it is so fun like it's so fun we use yeah. gimp around here it's it's, it's okay yeah it, it, oh, that's an old school one like i do not know how to use it i get super confused yeah. anyway you, YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> YouTube videos. Going on what you said about, you know, people being scared of retaliation and whatnot, one of the comments in the chat from Hero was, and, and this does say a lot, you know, she said, I think it shows how bad the problem is that you actually have gotten people to go on record about it. And she's followed yeah. up with, I imagine most in pharmacy are used to defaulting towards discretion. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And yes. one thing that's really important to us, and we, we've had several interviews where people are like, okay, I, I want to talk to you, but I have to remain anonymous. And we're like, yeah, that's fine. And no, so not only are we willing to use, you know, the TikTok voice if we have to, or we'll get someone else to voice over your thing, or we'll put you in the shadow silhouette like you're, you know, an ex-mafia member or something. Yeah. Like, not, not only for your own safety um, and, and for your own comfort, but that also is very telling, right? Like the only way that you feel safe enough to share what's going on as a pharmacist in the United States, like a pharmacist and a pharmacy technician in the United States, like is to do that. Then, I mean, we're all about it. We're all about making people feel safe. We're all about telling the truth. And, you know, we speak truth to power. That's, that's what we're here. Well, speaking of pharmacy techs, uh, our good friend, the ranty bastard said pharmacy techs are cranked out by local colleges and given pot in the sky dreams only to be used and abused like a chew mm-hmm. toy. Mm, yes. Heartbreak. Yep. Uh, and, you know, somebody referenced, you know, the fact that the tech that you had in your trailer talking about practicing on an orange. And, yes. and so kind of explain that process to everybody who may not be familiar because I did not know this was going on, even though I work somewhere currently that does have a pharmacy there and, and evidently, you know, it's a common practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So it is a common practice. And so when you are getting <laughs> like tattoo trained sometimes you, um, like at least when I got trained, we practiced on each other. And um, not an orange, but sometimes with COVID, because you couldn't have a lot of those in-person classes, when they're learning how to give a vaccine, they're like, okay, well, um, they teach you, they give you a lot of background, like lecture type of stuff about how you give vaccines and different things to watch out for, for like problems, if you're a technician, like when to get your pharmacist involved. Um, But basically like the skin on your deltoid kind of feels like an orange. So like right on here. And so they'll be like, okay, so when you're doing it on a person, this is how you landmark, you find the deltoid, and then you give your injection. And so rather than having people start right away on a person, they give them an orange, and they're just like, okay, hold the orange like you would a shoulder, and then inject into it, and then, okay, now you just practice on whoever your coworker is who happens to be in there. And um, give them a shot of saline. Okay, you've done your 
I think it's four total usually for that class. So it's like two on the orange maybe and then like two on a person. And then you're good to go. You're like official. And then you're good to go and you can give shots. You can administer vaccines and it's... Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. All right. So the one thing yes. I want you to cover um, is, and, and you discuss it on the website, why are you referring it to the fast foodification of pharmacy? Yes, I'll let Kim talk about it. It's so fun to talk about. So, well, I mean, what part of it is the the severity of the issue, right? Um, is it? I mean, it's it's intense, right? Like this is a you know, it's a it's a the working conditions are so awful. Um, just, you know, like they are everywhere. It's a great resignation story, but the stakes are life and death, right? Like, so it, it can get pretty heavy. Like we've got some, we've heard some really traumatic stories from the people that we've interviewed. And we know as storytellers that that can be a lot, that can be a lot to ask of an audience to take on. So we are using our amazing device of comedy and satire to help like, ex- you know, I'm, I'm going to use the word exaggerate, but that's not actually what it is. It's probably almost more like a, you know, where you almost like anthropomorphize, like, you know, some version of that to be like, okay, it's really hard to wrap our heads around an industry that we don't understand, but we get fast food, right? Like we understand that. So we're going to be using Mm -hmm. that metaphor as a way to like, okay, like, and we we have animation planned that we want to use, you know, those like explainer sort of videos that you see in documentaries Mm -hmm. that help you like, okay, let me break it down for you. And then you like explain it. So we'll have those to help you understand. Um, and, Using fast food is a really great metaphor, ironically, because a lot of fast food police people make more than pharmacy technicians make. And so that's really frustrating and also part of the ridiculousness. So we're, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes the way to uh, to fight back against uh, corruption and, and power and all of that is to use humor, to use satire, to um, you tell the truth and you twist it just a little bit, right? And people are able to... Uh, people are able to, um, you know, metabolize that a little bit more. You have to bring a little bit of levity in. Um, and so, and the metaphor is just, it's accurate. It's clear. They, they all got yeah, drive throughs People want their stuff yeah. fast, you know, so. And that right there is why it's so accurate is people, it's not healthcare. It's an errand. It's, an errand. it's like going through a McDonald's. Yep. And so when people pull through through. a pharmacy, Mm -hmm. they just want to zip through like they zip through McDonald's. And because people have these shot quotas that are, it's not that we don't want to give people immunizations or vaccines. We want to give people shots. We absolutely do. But there's a certain number of people who are eligible for shots. And we would like to immunize that population. When you inject artificial goals and metrics that aren't feasible, then it feels like you have to stand up at the counter when you're counseling and be like, oh, would you like a shot with that? Mm -hmm. And so it feels like you're upselling fries. Yeah. yeah. And then, Anna East, will you talk a little bit about the metrics that you see? Because I don't even think, I mean, yeah. I, I only know about them because you told me. So, like, what are some of yes, the metrics? Talk about metrics. Yeah. So if Everybody anybody, in retail knows cross-selling. Like, mm-hmm. we all got it. Yeah. <laughs> so with these metrics, if anybody has worked in, like, a fast food restaurant, which um, that is not the type of retail I had worked at before pharmacy, so I don't know it as well, but... One person we talked to said they have like drive time metrics. How long is a person in your drive through? Pharmacy has the same metric. How long is someone in your drive through? There's also the expectation. There's like a counter. A lot of times in some of these computer systems, you'll see in the corner of your screen how long it's taking um, you to fill a prescription. You can like see those kind of numbers. And the expectation for a lot of these chains is 15 minutes to do everything that you need to do if someone is waiting in your store. Um, to If you have an issue with the doctor, to call the insurance, to get it filled, to counsel all of your patients, to do all of the safety checks for all of the prescriptions. So if people are waiting in your store, you have 15 minutes to do that. Um, and that's the expectation. Same thing with answering the phone. Like there's phone metrics. You need to answer the phone within three rings. And so what we hear from some people is if you don't have a district manager who's great, they might say, oh, here's how you get around the phone metric. Um, when their phone rings, mm-hmm. don't answer it. Just pick it up, put it on hold and park it, which that happens in the front store too. Like if you don't have enough help. And so like those are some of the types of metrics, um, volume goals, like a lot of times the number of prescriptions you sell and the number of um, immunizations that you give, sometimes it's tied into the hours that you get in your store. 
So it's like you're not meeting these goals and you're not able to fill enough prescriptions. And so they cut your hours because you didn't hit your goal, which you're like, what? The, how does that make That's any punitive. Sense? Right? Yes. I mean, right. I mean, there's there's punitive in, in healthcare, like from because you're not doing the volume like it doesn't it's it's so baffling. Well, and, and they're taking yes. hours away based on these metrics. But we all know that pharmacies, regardless of metrics, aren't staffed well enough to begin with. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So ideally, um, what would you say would be like the ideal staffing situation for one of these big box pharmacies? Like from. Oh, that's so that's tough. But yeah, it would depend a lot on your prescription volume. And it's really it's so tough because like um, when basically here i'll just break it down like station to station so you have all these different stations Mm -hmm. right and someone someone is dropping off a prescription at the window or they're coming in electronically someone needs to be there have to be one or two people standing there to take in the prescriptions and answer the phones so that should be like one or two people do intake depending on the volume then you need people to fill it like depending on what your volume is, you need enough people where you're keep, there's like usually a queue counting how many prescriptions you have to fill. So you need enough people where your queue doesn't have like dozens or hundreds or over a thousand prescriptions in it. Cause if you, um, you may fill 500 in a day, but like the number in quote in fill may never go above. Like, I don't know. I've had stores in back in the day where it would never go above like 20 or 30 because you had enough people to fill the prescriptions and make it like keep those numbers down. So then you have to have enough people there. Um, You also need people. It's just like the retail front store. You have to put truck away. Mm -hmm. So your order comes in. Someone's got to put truck away. Um, Your lead technician has to do the schedule. They got to train new tech. So you have to have enough labor to do all of those ancillary duties. And you, you will still have to do um, pull expireds like you would, um, in grocery at a store, you still have to go through your shelves. Someone has to do that. So you you need a person to do all these ancillary duties, ideally. Inventory. Who's separate from the work floor. Yep. Inventory is a whole separate thing. Pharmacists, having pharmacist overlap would be the ideal situation where there's like two or three pharmacists instead of just one for 14 hours. I was going to ask you that. So, so what is yeah. the concept behind that? Why, you know, let's say you've got a store that's open 12 hours, all right? Why are there, there why is there not like an opening pharmacist and a clo- closing pharmacist? That's okay. So the reason I, I'll just come out and say it. You can see it on my LinkedIn anyway. Like people can find <laughs> out where I work. I went to Walmart as a pharmacist because they had pharmacist overlap in the store, like in the area where I was, there's two, an opening pharmacist and a closing one. And I was like, that's amazing. And there um, were, they had like a bathroom and they had a lunch break early on. I have no idea why that's the standard to not just have two pharmacists, like where that Look, came from. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just put this out there. If Walmart's doing that, I mean, they're like the best, like the worst. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're one of the best. Retail pharmacist to for work the pharmacy for. part, for the right? Pharmacy the front part. Yeah, not the front store. Yeah. As a pharmacist yeah, the or a pharmacy technician for a retail pharmacist to work for, like Walmart. Walmart's where it's at, honestly, and it's just like Walmart and Costco are kind of where you want to yeah, be. See, that's it, that's just mind blowing to me because I mean we know what right? we know yeah. what Walmart's. It was me. When I heard it, I was like, wait a minute. Walmart's Walmart. overall perception in, in the industry isn't all that great. So, no, but, no, but 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 if not. Walmart is the one kind of doing that for pharmacies, other pharmacy companies should be embarrassed, <laughs> you know, because right. I, yes, I, I mean, I never understood be. that because, you know, like for instance, you know, in any typical store setting, you got a store manager, you usually have an assistant mm-hmm. manager, you might have like a key carrier, mm-hmm. you know, and unless somebody called out sick and you were just hung there and had to work, there was always an opening, maybe a mid and a close. There was none of this working, yes. you know, six days a week, 14 hours straight, you know, with no break. Yeah. And I, yes. and the only thing I can think of is it comes down to some sort of, of money saving measure. Oh yeah. So it's, it's reimbursement. They don't want to pay two farm. They're like, well, we don't want to pay two pharmacists when we can just get by with one. And so I know for some stores, like some companies, 
I've heard the number to get a second pharmacist is 600 is like five or 600 prescriptions a day before they'll give you a second person. And well, why even like, base it on that? Just do the right thing. I mean, pharmacists are human right, too. Exactly. Why do it? Right. So it has to be reimbursement because like re- insurance reimbursement and like um, insurances contract with a thing called a pharmacy benefit manager who like manages the pharmacy part of your medical insurance. And so the reimbursements from these companies is becoming like people talk about this in the industry a lot is like that reimbursement determines how much money you get from filling prescriptions. Because let let me tell you something that shocked Kim. I was talking about negative reimbursement and she goes, a what now? A negative reimbursement. So a lot of the prescriptions you fill behind the counter, you lose money on. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not making any money, because you like what you're making money on is a lot of times the stuff that's over the counter, like those products out there. But if you're losing money filling prescriptions, they want to cut as much as they can back there. And it's usually in the form of labor costs. Well, of course. Now, speaking of OTC, now, now in, in your chain pharmacies, does the pharmacy get credit for like OTC medication that's on the sales floor being sold? Depends. So some chains like, um, at Walmart, we, the pharmacy manager would get credit for that, but there was like a kind of it would overlap a little bit because there was a department manager for the OTC section. Sometimes they were under pharmacy. Sometimes they weren't. Um, but you would get credit for some companies give you credit for those OTC sales. Wow. Somebody in the comments, uh, Mad Dog said, I had to go to CVS tonight. One pharmacist and one tech running drive through. Oh, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. That's I mean, that. Yeah, that's so common. It's usually like one person, one in one. A lot of pharmacists, especially at those like lower volume stores, when it's like I'm saying lower volume, it's like still 200 prescriptions. To it's a lot when you're by mm-hmm. yourself. Oh my it'll just be like on weekend. It'll just be a pharmacist. You don't even get a technician, and you have to do all of the same duties: answer the phone, get the window, get drive, check prescriptions, check your own work. Yeah, I was just going to have you elaborate on that because there's a like the pharmacist tech, like the way they check the way you check one another, right? Someone will fill oh, it, yeah. so someone it will count be. it, visually mm-hmm. check it. Like there's all these steps to make sure that what goes out, like goes into the right bottle and all that stuff. Yeah. So what should happen is the prescription comes from your doctor and a technician should be the one putting that into the computer system. Cause everyone thinks, Oh, it just talks automatically. And it's like, that's not true. The technician has to right. type it into the system. Read your doctor's so, handwriting. Even for electronics. Put it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scan it in if it's a paper prescription. Um, so the tech, make sure it's transcribed correctly. Then the pharmacist gets it and they're like, first you have to be like, does this make clinical sense to me? Like, is this dose going to kill you? Are there drug interactions? So that's the first thing I would look at as a pharmacist. Even before I looked, was it typed correctly? When I look at the doctor's, because I would look at the doctor's prescription first before I even went and looked at what the tech typed in and go, okay, that is that dose reasonable is this drug reasonable um so i'd look at that then i'd be like okay did the technician transcribe it correctly from what the doctor wrote on their prescription and then ideal technician to fill it or if you have a robot like accounting robot those you still have techs but like you may have some technology to help you that um one of those things counts the pills either a technician robot some combination of both then it goes back to the pharmacist who's like okay do these pills in this bottle, when you're looking at it, do they are they right? And that's your like final check, like, okay, for the last time I'm gonna check and make sure everything is correct before I send it out and give it to the patient or the customer standing at the counter. And um, then I mean the the technician would sell it, make sure it's sold to the right person, because that's another place where there could be an error if you if you get everything right before and you sell it to the wrong person, then grab yep. the wrong, you know, mm-hmm. there you Gonzalez go. That's the problem. Or Smith or whatever off the, off the counter, off the, yeah. out of the mm-hmm. bin. And then the pharmacist goes over and if it's a new prescription or in some States you do counsel on both new and refill prescriptions, um, you talk to the patient and you're like, this is the medication you're getting. But 
if all of those steps are performed by the exact same person, one, you're going to be fatigued and make more mistakes. Two, you need multiple sets of eyes mm-hmm. on it. Like, like, it just doesn't you make think any you sense. It, right? it doesn't make any sense do. at all. Right? Like, now, to your point about basically looking at it and making sure it makes clinical sense, I think this is a good segue into something that you had mentioned in, in our messaging. Because yes. Yes. you're a doctor. Yep. So you're yep. making an informed, educated decision. You're not yes. just being like, oh, I'm not going to give this to you, right? Yes, exactly. So that just like Twitter, we were the, <laughs> we were like the main character. Pharmacy was like the main character of Twitter, it felt like yesterday or the day before, whatever day that was. Because if we just got into this huge, our pharmacists just like getting into this huge argument with the general public about what a pharmacist role is and like whether you can pharmacists are allowed and have the scope of practice to refuse prescriptions. And I know it gets, it's really complicated in today's like lands, like political landscape, really. However, it shouldn't go so far the other way where it's like pharmacists can't even say no to anything. Cause there was a pharmacist who tweeted, like if I had filled every single thing in the last 20 years of me being a pharmacist, I would be in jail or like sued into oblivion or something dead, because you know, right? people like, would be dead. Yeah. Like, and people were jumping on that. People were like, pharmacists have no right to refuse anything. And then people, some people were like piling on, like, we didn't mean like clinical stuff, but we mean all this other stuff. But it's like, that's a slippery slope argument to be like, you can't, pharmacists can't deny this is a really silly analogy but it's what i'm best at like it's like like a bartender at some point they have to make a call right like no i'm refusing you service like you've had enough like no like right like yeah and it's on them to to be safe about it right there are these other things where you go no it's not this ain't it like and that's not yeah and some of the things it's like people think we're refusing when it's like we're not even really refusing like people get unfortunately in the this is a thing that people were getting flack for on Twitter was people think we're refusing when we're not. And people are like, no one actually would think that if you say you're out of stock that you're refusing. The amount of times that we would say we're out of stock and someone would turn around to the person they're with in line and go, they're not going to fill this for me. They're refusing to fill this for me was so many. Or, oh, I have to call your insurance. Oh, I have to order this. Oh, I, there's a question I have from your doctor um, and I just going to get clarification before I fill it. All of those have been told to me, oh, you're refusing to fill it. Like I've gotten complaints about all kinds of things, but even just basic stuff like, oh, she didn't want to fill it for X, Y, or Z reason. Most people are lovely. So I'll put that right out there. Most people are lovely once you explain it. Like, hey, I can't fill this because there's a drug interaction and your doctor says that it's fine, but I cannot in good faith give this to you. And I've had that happen where it's like, it is really risky. And I'm like, hey, take this back to your doctor and have a conversation with it. I tried to have a conversation with them and it's, this is why this is dangerous. This is why this could kill your child. And I'm not going to fill something that's going to kill your child. And the parents were happy and they were like, yeah, we're going to go back to the doctor and find an alternative. And they did and everything was okay. But, um, yeah, no, that's a whole thing that people don't understand what pharmacists do. So they think like we have no authority to refuse. Right. Anything. And it's that whole customer's always right garbage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. Which is bad in any. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not, accurate. Like, not accurate. Um, there was a question that came through. Uh, Mad Dog wanted to know, do pharmacists have to carry some type of malpractice insurance to cover themselves for mistakes? Um, we do not have to, but we should. So I do carry my own malpractice insurance, but because the corporation does carry insurance on it's most corporations carry insurance on their pharmacists. But when it comes down to it, who are they going to side with? Oh, exactly. So it is very wise to carry your own malpractice. So, insurance. you know, looking at all this now, guys, you know, I asked them before we started streaming the amount of vaccines that pharmacists actually are able to give which evidently is like all of them so so and then you add um you know the covid vaccinations which 
I think, you know, pharmacists were already kind of buried to begin with, and that was just like a big waterfall. Um, what about mm-hmm. the testing? How much of a nightmare has that so, been? For, that has been really, it takes up so much bandwidth. So I didn't ever, I never had to test. I didn't come from a store that was testing at the time. But what ends up happening is you tie up so much of your resources because if you're doing testing through your drive-thru, you have closed a lane in your drive-thru. And that person is sitting there swabbing their, they have to swab their own nose. And some people don't listen. And so they'll swab their nose and then put it in their mouth. That happens a lot, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) But like (laughs) people do it. And so then you have to start over and then you have to wait for the test results. So you're, you're tying up a whole lane, either that or you're tying up your immunization room inside of the store so if sometimes people test in the store and if you have like either like a curtain for your immunizations or if you have a separate room, that room's tied up until people finish the test. Also, an entire technician is removed from that workflow mm-hmm. to process those tests. And so if you're taking someone out of workflow for 15 minutes and you only have one other person, right. then the pharmacist is doing everything else. Right. right. And and so, so it really seems to me, too, on the surface there was an immense workload put on everybody, but they weren't offering you any more help to get it done. Absolutely. So um, basically, but they did it. So they did it first. And so what happened was at first, when all of this was rolling out, all of these companies were like, oh, we're going to hire all of these techs. We're going to hire all these pharmacists. Like when I was still at Walmart, they had vaccine clinics. And so I worked some of those and they were like specific to take the workload off of the, store itself like out off the pharmacy it was just a different part of the store and they would do these big vaccine clinics they would bring in they had all these hours for everybody they would bring in extra staff everyone was like really supportive of each other same thing with the testing they would like they hired all these people and then it was just like all of that dried up and they were like oh we hired all these people we don't have hours for you wow and so now everyone is like whoa now I'm part-time. What's happening? You cut all my hours. I don't have enough hours now. Right. And so it was very sudden. Um, there was a comment that was just made that if anything puts more pressure on pharmacists, Mad Dog said that doctors are making it very hard to get vaccines in office now. They just want to write the script for you to go to the pharmacy and get it. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's very true because they don't like... A lot of times these clinics, they're burdened too. So I won't say that doctor's offices aren't burdened because they have this, it's the same issues. Like having enough staff to give all these vaccines is hard, but they just think, everyone thinks, oh, pharmacy is the most accessible health. They don't, if they think of us as healthcare providers, we're the most accessible one. Half the time they don't think of us as healthcare providers, but they're like, oh, just go to the pharmacy. You can just walk in, no appointment. Right. It's a different expectation from, from the patient's perspective. Like, when you go, when you go to the doctor's office, you expect to wait. Like you hate it, but you expect it, right? So there's just a different, you know, even a walk-in clinic, like, you know, you're going to wait a long time when you go to urgent care or whatever, like, it's just part of it. So I just think the expectations there are so different. And then, yeah. And that's, again, that's the fast foodification right. aspect. Of I, I was about to say that. Like, that you're right. Just walk in, you're going to drive through, just give me the thing. And you're like, hang on, like to give anybody a minute to do anything, because again, they're looking at it as an errand. I want to run in, I want to run in and I want to grab the thing I need and I want to go to self-checkout and I just don't, I don't want anyone to interrupt me. Right. So they're just not, they're just not viewing it at all in reality. Oh yeah. And, and no. speaking of which is like people who go to the pharmacy on their lunch break with that mindset, yes. not realizing it may yes. take longer than your lunch break yes. to get this done. And then they right. get mad. Right. You're like, they get mad oh, all day. I was, I'm here on my lunch break. I'm here on my lunch break. I'm just like, do you go to the doctor's you, office on your lunch break? Cause right. You wouldn't go right. do it on your lunch break. You would come later. And it's like, I get it. Cause now because these pharmacies are closed because they don't have enough yeah. staff. So people who don't even have the opportunity to come after work anymore right. because the store is closed. It, there's um where I live. There's a store that's just like, we got, a message that was like, this store is closed indefinitely. We don't know when this pharmacy will open back up if you need anything from them. And I was just like, yeah, there's no one to staff it. But if you're that person and you work a job that's, if you work 
nine to five yeah. and your pharmacy starts closing at mm-hmm. four yeah. and opens it's at nine, cool. you're like, what am I supposed to do? And they're closed weekends. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, yeah. there was a, a comment in the chat from Pam Brown Garrett said, try and call your doctor and speak to them. It's not going to happen. You can call a pharmacist and we will answer your call, period. Yes, exactly. It's true. And uh, we'll try. Yeah. So the, if there's staff you'll notice in the, the trailer, phone, the phone rings a lot. That is mm-hmm. definitely intentional. <laughs> yes. And so with doctor's office, that's the thing I want to um, point out to people who don't are familiar. Everyone thinks we have a special pharmacist line to call the doctor, <laughs> but we don't. So we dial the same phone number that you do, wait in the same queue, get to someone at the reception desk. And we're like, oh, we need to talk to a doctor about this issue. And sometimes they'll, sometimes we get passed back to a nurse, but usually it's a voicemail box for a nurse who'll call us back when they get to it. So no, we, we get you. Yeah, and, and then they get, <laughs> get mad you. at you when they should be getting mad at the physician yeah. who's not getting back to you to get them handled. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then they should be, we have a lot of places where they physically like there's, physically not enough people to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. And um, so pharmacies are lit. So I've heard stories of some pharmacies unplugging their phones. They'll just turn them off because they're like, we know we can't answer it, which is so dangerous because like, what if you, it's a doctor calling back about the clear- prescription clarification, or it's another pharmacy who needs a transfer, or there's um, a lot of other issues where you need to talk to that pharmacy staff and it becomes a safety issue. That's the thing. Um, That's the thing right there. Because you can't get through. So I'll give you a little perspective on the hospital side of things. When you come into a hospital, you don't necessarily know people's medications, like what they're on, right? right? And so even if you're in the same hospital system, people have doctors outside of that system or they're coming, say their doctor's not attached to the hospital system. So if they get admitted, you need to know what drugs they're on. And a lot of times you can just talk to the person and if they're um, able to answer your questions and you're confident what what they're taking, you're just like, cool, I can take your word for it. Sometimes people, because of whatever they're coming in for, are not in a position to talk to you right. in that moment right. because of whatever emergency they're having. And so you need to call their pharmacy to figure out which drugs they're on. If you can't call to get their drugs, you might miss something like, what if someone's on in on insulin or what if someone's on a seizure medication or what if someone's on something like a serious medication that you need to know about when they're admitted to the hospital and the only way to get that info is calling their pharmacy and you can't get through to them and so that actually happens quite a bit to the staff at our hospital where you just but you know that's a symptom of a a really big problem yeah absolutely it's a really simple solution just need more people to work. Give the people the hours, you know. Exactly. And and that's the thing. I mean, you know, we struggle in retail with that all the time. It's all, you know, Mm -hmm. my whole motto when I started the podcast was employees are more than a controllable expense. You know, you're, but you know, there is a huge difference in something like what pharmacists do because it is, it's a public health service. I mean, really and truly. All right. You know, selling Twinkies and Cokes is not a public health service. So, so if you're right, the stakes are just a little right, bit higher. Right. I mean, I get pretty, I get pretty hangry. Yeah. So, you know, so it could be life and death, but probably not. You, you got to prioritize, you know, what's important and you've got to staff appropriately. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is you're still dealing with, wealth before health, pro, you know, profit over people. And, you know, look, the great resignation has been a thing. Boy, CVS, Walgreens, all of them, they're going to be really, really mad when all of a sudden the pharmacists say, that's it, we're done. Yeah. Because yes. I loved your tweet the other day when you were like, what would a general pharmacist strike? Yeah, it'd be like? damn beautiful oh, to see. And I was like, and, it would, <laughs> and, we would catch it on film. Let us know. Yeah. We'll be there. <laughs> and, and so, so, yeah. you know, having said that, I mean, when you look at that, um, it, and, and I get the feeling too, when you're talking about negative reimbursements, it, it's like this, this like really corrupt pyramid mm-hmm. scheme of the insurance companies and the chain pharmacies playing <laughs> together and using you guys as like the punching bags. Yeah, that is that is how it feels a lot of the time. You know, yeah. 
And, you know, like I said, my time at CVS, and, and, you know, like I told you, this is like 1996. It was bad then, but it ain't nowhere near as bad as mm-hmm. it, it just shows there's not really been any progress except for Walmart. And somebody right. Irish said in the, the <laughs> chat that saying Walmart is the best option is kind of like saying they're the best tumor. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Not because, as, mal- um, what is it, not as malignant, maybe? Not yeah. As no, yeah. It's benign, it's fine. Benign, there you um, go. But what's, what's really happening is, like, there's a lot of good, all, a lot of the independent pharmacies actually are, like, those mom and pop, like, yeah. drugstores are really good. Like, not all, like, it's like any business, not all are good, but, like, a lot of them are, but they can't keep their doors open because of the reimbursement is it favors the chain. So when insurance company, the PBMs and insurance companies drop, drop their contracts, they, a lot of times favor the chains. Yeah. And where the money's at. So for the money, it's where the money's at. And so like these smaller stores who do staff appropriately and do give you that care and that customer service and that healthcare that you're looking for, can't just they physically can't keep the lights on yeah it's it's the same with like mom and pop businesses i mean they cannot compete cannot compete with corporate entities that come in they've got bigger buying power that you know and and they just push legitimately good local businesses out of business yeah yes so i i don't know so talk a little bit about what you've got going on with your crowdfunding oh Yeah. yeah so um go for it yeah, so we uh, we currently have our page up on GoFundMe, um, and we have set our current budget. We're going for $22,000, which is our – we've got a trip planned at the end of August. We're going to go to a uh, pharmacy conference um, in mm-hmm. Oklahoma City, and we've got several people that are going to be in the documentary that we're interviewing. We want to see them in person, um, and so we're kind of trying to do the uh, – probably like five birds with, you know – a stone <laughs> something like that um and so yeah. we've kind of set the budget for you know we've got plane tickets and you know um rental car and the hotel and then the gear rental and all the production, all the production costs, costs actually costs shoot while we're there like, um yeah so we're really excited about that and we are definitely looking at how we can you know stretch every dollar as much as we can um but yes yeah, so we've got that and so that's currently what we're crowdfunding for right now we've been it's been up for like a week and um we made Last I saw it was over $13,000. Yeah, and your initial um, goal is only 22, right? Yep. Yeah, 22 right now. We're kind of yeah, just doing it in phases. We're doing like trip by trip, basically, at yeah. this point. So we've got two more trips, uh, probably three, three more trips after that planned for this year. Um, we're from the Pacific Northwest, so we've got, we're going to do some, uh, we're going to do some road tripping and go check out some of the places we can um, around here and meet the people from around here that in person. And then we want to go to in upstate New York. There's this really awesome pharmacy model um, called Wellness RX, and they are they have a currently have a for profit independent pharmacy, and they're opening a nonprofit, a community driven nonprofit uh, pharmacy in. I'm going to get the wrong word. What's the city? Not is it Florence? Oh, this. Uh... I don't remember the city. Upstate it's somewhere in upstate yeah, New York. Sorry. I have to look. Yeah, I know. But it's awesome. And we met with them. And there, it was like, you can imagine, right? Just like anything, right? When you, you hear all the stories over and over, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, weary. Like, it's really wears on you. And I was like, I don't, you know, like, we didn't really have an ending for the documentary. We're kind of like, okay, it sucks. Yeah, it's pretty much the basic. You know, we get, yeah. to, we get to the all is lost moment, you know, we're in the end right. of act two. And it's like... Oh, this is rough, you know, and then we, we met with Wellness RX and it was such a, like an uplifting conversation. Like they are really taking it in hand and really looking to be, um, an alternative model for pharmacy. So, because what happens is you'll have these smaller, smaller towns and cities where the volume that they're going to do is not going to be viable for a chain store to, to be there, right? right? So you'll have CVS and Walgreens, et cetera, pulling out of these of these cities, and then they end up with a pharmacy desert where basically there isn't a far- – got to drive an hour in any direction to go get to a pharmacy. And so um, Wellness Rx is looking for um, ways to do a nonprofit model so a community could open its own. It kind of – I'm from credit unions, right, originally, and so like kind of the way a credit union is, you have your people, they start their own kind mm-hmm. of – you know, their own kind of pharmacy um, and, and the, 
the level of care and that they're able to give really focus on mental health. Like there was, it's beautiful. Like we're so excited to go. They're going to have a grand opening in the fall and we get to go be there and um, we're going to film it and everything, of course, and talk to them. And um, yeah, so we have that trip. And then there's a, there's an art show in Florida that we really want to go to. Um, There's a pharmacist, uh, an artist and his husband is a pharmacist and just the total, the toll that it has taken on the mental health and everything there. And um, the artist put it into this amazing piece of art and he's got a, he's got a show in Florida and really wants to get a bunch of healthcare workers to come to the show. And so again, we would love to be there and be able to get the dialogue of everyone talking about it and just raising the raising yeah. the dialogue and, and be so like can educate that main hopeful, audience. like messages because that's one piece um we were on a call earlier today and one thing that people mentioned just as some feedback they were like you gotta have some hope and we're like it's coming it's just not in the tra- the trailer was to get that, <laughs> that emotional right. core so that people will give us money but we're like yes because it's true it's totally true and accurate true. and then we're just like <laughs> if we didn't like we want pharmacy to still be a viable profession. Like if I didn't care yeah. about the profession, I would not be doing a documentary about it. Like I would not be putting myself out there here like this. If I didn't love the profession of pharmacy, like it is a good, it can be a good profession. It is a good profession for a lot of people, but it's just like, it's gotten so dire that people don't feel like it's a good option and people are pulling out of pharmacy school and they don't want to do it. But it's like, it doesn't have to be like that. It can be a really good profession if we can kind of get back to our roots and have it just be like patient centric enough staff. It is a really good, it can be a really good gig. And we just want to like help tell the story to get us back there. Well, that's like, yeah. uh, you know, talking about staffing. Uh, I just remember this. I'd went to Walgreens probably, I'm going to say six months or so ago. And we went in. And you had like one pharmacist um, and two techs. And one of the techs was having to go up front and run a cash register to cover the the retail side of the store. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. Oh, um, also, too, talking about um, GoodRx, what do you think about, uh, are, are you familiar with Mark Cuban and his uh, cost plus drugs thing he's doing? Yeah. Do you see that being something that maybe him and his organization would do a typical kind of pharmacy like that as well? So Mark Cuban, if you are listening to this podcast at all, we would love Please. to talk to you. Please talk to us. <laughs> He's uh, on our list. Talk to Mark Cuban because that is love um, Mark Mark one Cuban. type of alternative pharmacy model. We would be interested to see because there's all, there's already a lot of different types of online pharmacies out there. And so a lot of people have tried this route kind of like what Mark Cuban's doing, but um, he's trying to revolutionize it and make it different. So we'd love to hear his perspective because mail order and online pharmacies should be an option, not the only one. And that's where the yeah. issue comes in because we have yeah. a patient we've talked to whose son's prescriptions were delivered and the truck was like 140 degrees. Ooh. And so the medication yeah. is supposed to be refrigerated and her son went into organ failure. Oh God. Because of yeah. it, because of how it was yep. stored. And so she is a really yeah. strong advocate about that stuff needs to be regulated better so that yeah. that doesn't happen to anyone else. So what we're seeing is right when you have the, uh, the vertical integration of like CVS where they're the pharmacy, they're the PBM, they're the insurance company, they're the whatever, like they have, you know, you use them, you got to go all the way up. And so they'll say you have to use mail order pharmacy which they're not actually supposed to be able to tell you that you have to. They're not technically saying you have to. They're saying but you, you have to get an exception a month to right? get your medication if you want to go to a different pharmacy. Yeah, right. You could just not use your insurance. You pay sure. for it. Yeah, and so that's just so. There's some things like that that it's like, well, if mail order pharmacy is if you have to basically to say that I'd have to pay seven hundred dollars for something is basically you're telling me that I have to do it the other way because. Me and everybody else in middle class, we don't have that. No, like, that's we not don't. Happening, no, right? no, we don't have that. Just laying around. Who has that? And and then, um, but then, if you're telling me so, okay, in order to to use my insurance, I have to go through this mail order pharmacy. But the mail order pharmacy, the way that the the way that it's delivered to me is in an unsafe way. Like, how? Like, none of that makes sense. So, so that's you know, it's. I, and again, we have not we have not had the opportunity to talk to Mark Cuban. He is on our list. We gotta 
we may have an in and uh, we'll, we be, may reaching have an out. we'll mm-hmm. be reaching out um, later. That's one of one of our follow up tasks. Um, and because, yeah, I want to know, like, cool, you do this thing, but then how is it shipped? Like, how are, are you ensuring yeah, the medication? Also, what does your pharmacist consultation look like? Because for some people, if you are just on the same thing, you don't have any question, your dose is pretty stable, you're... Um, you kind of understand how things work. You're savvy enough to use technology. You can understand a phone consultation. Um, you can get through because sometimes with mail order and those online pharmacies, it's really, it's hard to get through their phone tree. It's hard. And so if you're a patient, you might give up before you get a pharmacist consultation and ask your question because there's some times like um, we have a story that we'll um, share in the documentary, but like there was a patient who her son had a pretty had a question and they drove in an hour to go to a pharmacy to talk to a pharmacist for 20 minutes to reassure this kid that he was going to be okay. And they were like, you would not get that at a mail order. pharmacy. No, you wouldn't. There's no way. That's yeah. And it's just really seeing it as right. Like what, what the profession is, right. The people, you know, it's health care, right? They're caring about people. Like, that's been amazing, too, with all the pharmacists and pharmacy technicians that we've interviewed. Like, there's some of the most caring people who go into this job because, you know, they love people. They love medicine. You know, they want, they want to, you know, they like, they like the orderliness of the job, or at least the way it was supposed to be, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, and it's just, it's a great fit for them. And, and they, they do, they really, really care. And they just want to be able to serve people well. Um, and they're, it's really easy to take advantage of people like that. People who yes. don't advocate for themselves because, you know, they're just like there to do the job. And so anyway, it just really getting, getting them um, the profession that they deserve and the healthcare that we deserve to, yeah, so they can, because it's, you can't, a robot is not going to counsel me, right? I'm, right. You know, if right. I'm like right. They're not. having to They're like not. figure out like what's going on with this, you know, birth control or whatever, like I need a person, right? I need a person to talk to you about that. Like, yes. And you, yeah. that's another thing. The entire industry is kind of spirit breaking because I, I would think most people who get into to pharmacy medicine, you know, they're yeah. doing it yeah. from the aspect of they have a desire to help people. Then they get locked into these retailers and it breaks their spirit because the, the, honestly, I mean, let's call it for what it is. Oh the retailers yes. do not care if they're helping the people or not, no matter no. what they facade they put up. All they're concerned mm-hmm. about is shareholders being happy, yep. Um, yep. profits being there. And you're, you're killing the desire of these highly trained people to take care of other human beings and and that should not be allowed to go on without there being some sort of accountability for that yes yes absolutely yes because that is so true like there's so many people who are just like it's affecting not only their like work life it's also affecting their like their home life they go home and they're so burnt out they're just like they feel like they're terrible to their families just like they feel like they have such a short fuse at home with their families but that also translates into just the um, people that they deal with behind the counter because if you're constantly berated you're gonna break eventually and you're just not even gonna care like you're not gonna care about your counsel you're not gonna care about how you talk to someone and you're gonna burn out and you're gonna not be able to just like talk to someone in a, the way that you should because like you said your spirit is just broken the yeah. the dangerous thing about that is i mean you know sure you could be a store manager for cvs and you could be a pharmacy for C, a pharmacist for cvs you're working in the same building you're both going through your own set of stresses but mm-hmm. a store manager is not going to have to go home one night completely broken because they may have because they were so burnt out they were sick they were tired and mm-hmm. did feel something wrong and did yes. cause somebody to wind up in a hospital or did cause somebody unfortunately to lose their life from just a mistake. Yes. You know, Absolutely. that is, a, that is a, a next level area of guilt that yes. store managers so don't many have. Pharmacists who go home and are like, I wonder, I hope I didn't kill anyone today. 
and they think that and that weighs on a lot of people's hearts because they're just like I don't know if I I mean and to be set up to fail right like in a lot of ways like it's just so I mean right for profit um yeah it's really disheartening and and I think I think honestly that's you know when power feels so big right and it's so it feels like you know, like, like the whole banking crisis of 2000, like they're too big to fail. Like there's just all these things, like you just feel like you can never mm-hmm. do anything to, you know, and so hope, so what we're hoping is that through the power of storytelling that you, we can educate enough people um, so that everybody can write, like there are more of us than there are of them. Yes. Like that's probably a little naive and idealistic, but that's just, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got to like right. the charge. Yeah, you know. Talk about Silent Spring. Because that one, it's kind yeah. of... Yeah. Okay, so there is a book. Um, hold on, I got to make sure. I want to I wanna make sure I give all of the credit here. Give me one second. Um, there's a book called Silent Spring, and is by Rachel Carson. And basically, it she wrote this... She wrote the book um, basically all about DDT, right? Back in... I think it came out in the six, it says originally published in 1962. Okay. So this is when like everyone was just pouring DDT on everything ever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Nobody knew and it was not a big deal and blah, blah, blah. And so basically she is, you know, an academic and a scientist and had all this data, but no one would, no one want, you know, no one wants to hear about PBM reform. You know what I mean? No one wants to hear about the scientific data. And so they couldn't, you know, nobody cared. Nobody was listening. And so she, she, rather than, you know, beating the drum that she had been she wrote it as this book and she started it with um she opens it with a letter and it's basically like imagine if spring is silent i mean that's silent spring because all the bugs are dead all the birds are dead like you're killing you're literally killing everything so the reason why you want to have a green lawn and the reason why you want to have all these things like but if it's silent though, like, and so she had, so she put it in this device that made it accessible where like your regular everyday consumer audience mm-hmm. person was like, oh, like they started to see it a little, she put it in a story and, and because of that book, um, it went on to create, you know, lobbyist and everything to create the environmental protection agency, which is currently under fire right now. So, you know, who knows? Roe versus Wade. Right. <laughs> EPA, like who knows what's up for grabs. But but that book is really the thing that did it um, because she was able to take the truth and put it in a way that people could could metabolize it. Right. Something that made sense to them. And that's exactly, you know, what we're what we're hoping to do. Um, mm-hmm. it's you know, her model is is an inspiration for us. Um, to, yeah, mm-hmm. to make big change. We just want, we need, want everyday regular people. If you use a pharmacy, this film is for you, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you know someone who uses a pharmacy, this film is for you. you right? the, uh, if you think maybe someday you might use a pharmacy, yeah. this film is for you. Uh, well, and, and if you think that maybe one day you won't be a pharmacist, this film may <laughs> be for you really too. Do. We are pulling for yeah. you. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. We are, yeah, absolutely. So ladies, absolutely. this has been amazing. Um, I am, I, kind of passionate about the whole treatment of pharmacist thing i really am yeah, um thank you. you know yes. it, it goes back to you know mid-90s horror stories and, and seeing how, how yes. people got treated yes. and you know you're always hopeful that things get better but by god it hadn't <laughs> it, 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 it you know there was no progress <laughs> yeah. from 96 it seems like it's went backwards and got worse but yeah what you two are doing is great I think the, you know, like I told you, the graphics that you use, everything you're using to convey your message, you know, like you said, it makes it more digestible for people that may not know what goes on in the Mm -hmm. business. And and I am hopeful that, you know, when this thing finally sees release, that, you know, your general customer will see this and maybe, just maybe, let's let's be realistic here, maybe 30% of them you know, improve their behavior. That's still progress. Yes. But, it's absolutely yeah. progress. Maybe hold in the tweet. Instead of tweeting that, like maybe yeah, hold right. it back. Right. I mean, you know, right. you, you never know what, and, and this is a sad part, you know, for what we all do and what pharmacists do is, you know, the general customer doesn't know what kind of day that person's having. They don't know what's going yeah. on in their life. Yeah. You know, like in, in the trailer, you know, you have the pharmacist who had a miscarriage and went to work the next day. 
you know, yeah. and that that pharmacist yeah. is going to have to stand there and take some garbage off of a Karen who's matched because she can't get, you know, her C2s, mm-hmm. even though she shouldn't yeah. be having them. You know, I love that you know what C2s are. Uh, I, oh, have yeah, yeah. I have now learned. I have now learned. Like, I um, remember being, I don't know, I was like seven months pregnant or something at the time. And I remember there was a customer who was upset. So, and the store manager came back to us and was like, oh, hey, can you talk to this person? And I was like, absolutely. And then they kind of explained a little bit of what the issue was. I looked into it and I was like, oh, this is, um, I can, I think I can explain it to them. Their insurance wouldn't cover. It was literally like insurance wouldn't cover it. It needed a prior authorization, more info from the doctor. And so I was like, I can explain that to them. Yeah. And he this person full on yells, it doesn't matter. I, it shouldn't have mattered that I was pregnant or not, but I was. And full on screams at me, tells me like, he's like, you just want me to go die then? And I was like, no. And I was like, okay, I mean, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I said. We'll still call your doctor. Have a good yeah. day. I'm going to go die like, now. Yeah, you- right? We have this, I've really, honest, on East, I think we should put the poll up somewhere. Where it's like all the things that people say, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to go die now. Like, there's all this list that pharmacists and pharmacy techs have all heard. Oh, right? that would be good. I would love yeah. to see a compilation right? of that. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah, we're doing it. Or I, 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 can, I, I can honestly bet people have heard, well, my, my father is a physician or my, right. my, yeah, my, cu- yes. my cousin's a pharmacist, a mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but that. guess what? You're not. So. You're not so. <laughs> You know, yeah, get out of my line. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I will, I will say this. And, uh, Ranty had posted it earlier and I p- posted this on Twitter way back when I started all this stuff was the term retail and the term pharmacy mm-hmm. should not ever mm-hmm. be together. Right. They shouldn't meet. No. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, that that's where it all went wrong. You know, there should yep. be no such thing as yep. a retail pharmacy. The commodification of healthcare is a great, a great, great evil. Yep. Like, it's really, really sad. So, ladies, yeah. we're sitting at an hour six. I don't want to hold you up any further. I want to tell you that uh, anytime you want to come back, you just let me know. Oh, we would uh, love to come back. Anytime. Oh, love, I just have to say, your audience is fantastic. I have loved the fact that they're watching live and they're commenting and their questions and their comments yes. are amazing. Hey, and hey, this, I just love it. This, I love it. Love it. Love this it. is for, this is nonprofit for the people is what this is. Woo! So, oh, yeah. so oh, yeah. you, love it. you two have a wonderful rest of your evening. Um, I will keep retweeting your stuff as you, as you put it out, you know, keep me posted on how it's going. And if you got something that breaks that you want to talk about, Hey, let me know. My DMS are always open. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve. Right, so much. Thank great. y'all. Y'all have Thank a so wonderful, wonderful, wonderful night. Wonderful. You too. Bye. Yeah, take Bye-bye. care.